1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. We are going to focus this morning on chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, but to understand the context, we are also going to start reading in chapter 1 with verse 18. These are some of my favorite texts in all of the Bible, and I know I say that every week, but man, this is a good text. I, I know that in the last couple of years I have preached on this text on a couple of occasions, but I find that, that, that for myself, every time I read it, it seems like it always gets me back on track if I'm off track. It helps me to put things into perspective. It helps me to realize what is important. Because sometimes I get off track. Sometimes I begin to place importance on things that are, that are not that important. That are not things that God would desire of me. That are not things that God would have me doing. That are, that are not ways that God would have me living. And these verses always bring me back to where I need to be. And that is the cross. A couple weeks ago, Michelle and I went to a wedding, and I was kind of stressed that day. It had been kind of a rough couple of weeks, like spiritually kind of in a desert place. Maybe some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Like spiritually, you're just, you feel kind of like, like thirsty. You feel like you're, you're kind of just, you're just bummed. You, you know your walk with the Lord's not where it needs to be, and you just can't seem to get back on track, and you're praying, and it seems like your prayers, they just hit the ceiling and come back down. And you try to read God's Word, and you're just not getting it because maybe you're your heart's not in the right place. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. In this, in this desert place, and I was sitting there at this wedding, I had a lot of things on my mind. I was, I was looking. You know how you kind of look and you're in a daydream. You don't really you know, realize what's going on. And then I realized that, that I was looking. I kind of I came to for a second, kind of blinked, and realized that I was looking right at the cross. There was a big, huge, beautiful cross that was hanging up there in the church. And I was looking at that cross, and then I got to thinking, what am I worried about? Like, like, why am I holding on to these burdens? Why am I allowing things of the world to be in the spot that God should be in? When I looked at that cross, I could hear God speaking, and He said, look, everything's going to be okay. Because Jesus paid it all. Jesus took those burdens, and sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we let the world overshadow the Lord. Sometimes we let our own thoughts and actions and our own desires be number one in our life. And what it takes for us as Christians, if we have gotten off track, what it takes for you if you've never become a Christian is to go to the cross and to remember that Jesus paid it all. To remember that everything that you ever would need, Jesus has taken care of. And Jesus wants to provide for you. Jesus desires for you to cast your cares upon Him. And sometimes we miss that. And so for those of you who are struggling in sin and are living in your lost, you need to go to the cross. Because there was a man who loved you and gave his life for you. And for those of you who are Christians, who are not living like you should, you need to repent. And you need to go to the cross. You need to remember what was given for you. And you need to live for the Lord. 
Alright, let's read the Word and we are going to dig in. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, so we can get some context. Now this is Paul talking here, Paul talking to the Corinthian people. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, that is, those who don't believe, those who don't trust in Jesus. But it is God's power to us who are being saved. That's good news. It is God's power to us. You get that? The world, a lot of the world, would look at us right now and they would come in this door and they would say, you guys are foolish. You're crazy. There ain't no God. There's nothing going to happen to you when you die. This world's a bad place and you need to stop coming in here on Sundays and you need to start doing something about it. You're just being foolish. That's what the world would tell you. But the Bible tells us different. What the world calls foolishness is God's wisdom. And so Paul says that the cross is power for those of us who are in Christ. It is power for us because in our weakness, we go back to the cross. We remember what Jesus did for us. We remember that Jesus died for us. We remember that we are nothing on our own. We remember that we are weak. But He is strong. So the cross is power for those of us who are in Christ. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. That's talking about those who think they know everything. That's not talking about those who are actually wise, but those who think they are wise. The ones who think they have got it figured out. There's no God. You don't need God. You're foolish. They think we're foolish, but the Bible would say that they are foolish. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolishness? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. That's those of us who have accepted Christ. That that foolishness of the cross that the world would call foolishness, it pleased God to save us because in our wisdom we realized our need for a Savior. Because we feared the Lord. The, The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And so when we begin to realize who God is, how great God is, as the song has, uh, we just sang, points out to us, when we begin to realize God's standing as a perfect creator and our standing as sinners, then we begin to realize our need. And what seems like foolishness to the world is wisdom for God, and it pleases God to save us through the cross. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness, this is good stuff right here, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. You see, the world says it's foolish that we focus on the cross in Jesus Christ. But God knew what we needed. Now maybe there are some of you in this room today that are saying, it's foolishness. This is foolishness. I don't even know why I'm here. But 
Look, God knows why you're here. Because God knows that you need a Savior. And my prayer is that today the Holy Spirit will tug on your heart and you will realize you have been missing it. You realize that there is no other way than the cross and Christ crucified. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So on those days when you feel weak, even God in His weakest is stronger than the strongest one that has ever been. And He is a God who desires to have a relationship with you. He is a God who desires to take your burdens. He is a God who says, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who in here today desires rest? There's got to be some of you in here other than me. There's got to be. And I'm not just talking about physical rest. You may do. I'm talking about spiritual rest. I'm talking about the struggles, the temptations, the things that weigh you down, the things that you don't think that you can beat, and you just pray to God to take them away, and they just keep coming back, and you're just tired, and you're caught up in this sin, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and you're not like you should be, and you just, you're tired. And you're tired of the struggle. And you just won't rest. We serve a strong God, and He can give you that. Seek Him today while He may be found. Call to Him while He is near. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in His presence. But it is from Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. There is no boasting that can be made of any of us for what we have done, because the Bible clearly says that our redemption, our salvation, our sanctification, everything that is good, our righteousness, all comes from Jesus Christ. And so when we boast, let us not boast in our own abilities, but let us boast in the Lord. When God blesses us, let us boast in the Lord that those blessings are from the Lord. When God does good for us, let us boast in the Lord that our blessings are from the Lord. Let us not be deceived by the enemy that we have been able to obtain and do things on our own doing. That promotion you get at work, that, new, uh, that big raise you get, that new home that you may have, whatever it may be that God has blessed you with, it is because God has given it to you. And we need to remember that all things come from God, and so we boast in the Lord. We have salvation. We can have forgiveness of sins. We can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Not through what you do. There's no way you can boast. You can't boast to somebody and say, Look, I'm going to tell you what. I went to church for 20 years straight. I ain't never missed a Sunday school class. I have been the best dressed. I have given the most offering. And because of that, God has given me salvation. Nope. 
If you think that, I'm telling you right now, that's a lie from the devil. You gain your salvation, your forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. So there is no boasting that you can do. So when we boast, we boast in the Lord. Boy, that was just the introduction. I ain't even got to the sermon we're preaching on today. So I hope you didn't I hope you got that roast turned off, babe, because we might be late today. Alright, chapter two. Chapter two. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. For I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now that's good stuff right there. Let's read a little further. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on Christ's power. Now that's good stuff right there. You know what I think sometimes we as preachers do? I'm guilty of this, and maybe some of you are guilty of this too. As is, is, is I know for me as a preacher, that, man, I want to have the perfect illustration. I want to have the perfect story. I want to make sure I, I, I sound good. I want to make sure things are, are clear. I want to make sure I use the right words. And I think sometimes, for me, I miss the point. Sometimes I think as Christians that we try too hard. Because maybe you wonder, how am I going to share Jesus Christ with my neighbor? How am I going to share Jesus Christ with my coworker? I need some great way to make things make sense to them. I need the perfect words to say. God, I need to be an eloquent speaker. And none of those things are true. Because all we have to preach, and what Paul is saying, is Christ and Christ crucified. God's Word is enough. There are many, many people throughout the history of the world who have read this book without a single illustration, without a single fancy word. They have read the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and their life has been changed because they have given their life to Him. So all we have to do, Christian, is preach Christ and Christ crucified. We let the Holy Spirit do the work. We can't fancy talk someone into Christ. We can't, uh, just by some big word or some great illustration, it is the truth of the gospel that is going to win to people to Christ. That's not that we shouldn't use an illustration if times call for that. But it is the truth of the cross that is going to lead people to Jesus Christ. And so when you say, I, want, I need to tell somebody about Jesus, what do I tell them? You just tell them God's Word. You just read Scripture to them. What can we say or do that is better than what God has already given us through the Holy Spirit and these who penned God's Word? What more can be said? There is nothing more to be said. And Paul is saying, look, I'm coming to you now. I'm preaching what may seem like foolishness to some of you. I'm preaching what is power to others. But it is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. It is Jesus who gave all he had. It is Jesus who was a faithful servant who did not consider himself to be first while he was on this world, but took the form of a servant. The same Savior who died on a cross. The same Savior who washed the feet of the disciples. 
The same one who preached love and healing to all those back when he walked this earth is the same Messiah that can do those things for you. He's the same one who died on the cross for you. He's the same one who can take your burdens and bring you healing. And that's what Paul was preaching. That's what Paul was teaching. Not with big fancy words. But he was preaching the truth of the gospel. For I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now listen to this part right here. I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Now, it could be that that Paul was fearful of maybe how the people would respond, but I don't think that's the case. Because if we look in the rest of Scripture, we see that fear and trembling mentioned again. We see that in Philippians, that Paul tells the people of Philippi to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. There should be a certain respect that we have for the Lord. There should be a certain fear that we have there. Because when we realize that we are sinners, when we realize that God has the power that He can do anything He wants to to us, and that God's Word clearly tells us how we should live, and to know that we are weak, that we are nothing on our own, that we are not just just the best person ever, we are just all weak and helpless sinners on our own. And that should cause some fear and trembling to know who the Lord is. That should cause our eyes to be open so that we humble ourselves knowing our weakness. And when we come to that point, there is nothing else we can do except for trust in the Lord. There is nowhere else we can go except for to the Lord. How can we make it through life? How can we do anything? How can we make it through these struggles without the power of the Lord? And so when we recognize who we are, that is sinners, and where we are, we're just down here on a sinful earth, and who God is, a perfect creator in heaven, then that should cause us to look at our life and say, whoa, maybe I need to check myself before I wreck myself. Maybe I need to humble myself. Maybe I need to come before the cross and seek the Lord for that strength. Because Paul knew where his strength came from. It came from the Lord. It came from Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. We're talking about a man who was in prison time after time after time through his ministry. He was beaten. He faced one hard time after the next. But he said he had learned the secret to being content. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he was content with Christ. Because he knew where to go in those struggles. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was his strength. He knew that the cross is what changed his life when Jesus Christ died and Jesus Christ resurrected. And when he appeared to him, Paul was there in fear and trembling because here is Jesus Christ before him saying, Why are you persecuting me? And it changed Paul's life when he humbled himself before the Lord. And it can change your life when we come before the Lord in our weakness and our sinfulness and say, God, I cry out to you. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And I accept that. God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for trying too hard to earn that on my own. We have to come before the Lord. 
And sometimes that's hard to do. Because sometimes we're having bad days, right? Sometimes we have a bad attitude. You ever heard anybody say, like, you know, somebody's got a bad attitude, or you got a bad attitude, and you're talking about praying or reading the Bible or going to church, and somebody say, well, you might, not even, might as well not even read the Bible if you're going to have an attitude like that. You might as well not even go to church if you're going to have a bad attitude. You might as well not even pray if you're going to have a bad attitude. Well, that's true. So does that mean we're not supposed to not go to church and not pray and not read our Bible? Absolutely not. It means we need to change our attitude. Of course God doesn't want us to pray to Him when we have a bad attitude in our minds on other things. Of course God doesn't want us to sit in church and harbor angry feelings toward our neighbor and our fellow Christians and hug them on Sunday and then talk about them Monday through Friday. Of course God doesn't want us to do those things. Of course God doesn't want us just to read through His Word and just read words on a page so we can say, well, I read my Bible this week. We shouldn't stop doing those things if we have a bad attitude. We should change our attitude. We should humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I'm not where I need to be. I'm missing you, God. I'm not praying good. I'm not reading the Bible good. I'm not getting nothing out of church. And God, I need an attitude adjustment. I had to have those when I was a kid. My dad, when I was acting up, he would look at me and he'd say, you're about to get an attitude adjustment. And I knew what that meant. Because I was being bad. And God gives us His Word and He points out some things in there. And a lot of times we see those things in our life. They're called sin. And sometimes we need an attitude adjustment. And that Holy Spirit, boy, it convicts us. It tugs on our heart. And we have an opportunity. And we have a responsibility to repent of those things if we are in Christ. To give those things to the Lord. To not try so hard, but just to come to Jesus Christ as you are. That's what God wants from you. You don't have to jump through hoops and become perfect. Some people believe that lie of the devil. Some people believe that lie that they need to to jump through hoops and they need to get their life just right and they need to be perfect and then they're going to come to the Lord and then they're going to accept Jesus and then God will accept them because they have been good enough. And that's just totally backwards. That's just as backwards as anything could be. God's Word never tells us, all right, you be good enough, you get to a certain point, and then I'm going to save you. Then I'm going to allow you to be forgiven. Then I will allow you to accept Jesus Christ. That is kooky talk. But sometimes we get that in our heart that we just need to be a little better. I want to go to church more, but I've been being bad lately, so I'm not going to go for a few weeks. And once I kind of get this sin cleaned up, then I'm going to go. No! God doesn't want you to keep living in sin. Don't get me wrong. It's not that God's saying, come as you are, you're a sinner, just come, I'm going to love you anyway, everybody do what you want to do. That's not what God's Word says. What God's Word says is come as you are and let me do the work. God says let me do the work. Let my son Jesus do the work because he died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. So that his blood would wash away your sinfulness. God will do the work. God will do the restoration. We have to come as we are. Sometimes we get so caught up in stuff that just doesn't matter. We just got to come as we are and know that God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. Because everything comes from the heart. We see that all throughout the text. It's not about the law. It's not about following all the rules. It's about the heart. Go home and read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Sermon on the Mount. It's a good chapter in the Bible. 
Jesus spells it out clearly. It's all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. It's always been about your heart. And God wants to change your heart. God wants you just to come as you are. You don't have to pretend to be something you're not. God knows what you are. You're a sinner, just like me. God knows you're a sinner. God knows what you're struggling with. And God wants to help you beat that. See, we can't beat our sins. We can't overcome our sins on our own. But those who are in Jesus Christ are overcomers because He overcame. And when we put our faith and trust in Him, we can stand up to those temptations. We can call on the name of Jesus Christ. We can know that Jesus died on a cross for us so that we could be forgiven. And so maybe some of you are just holding some stuff in and you're burdened down. Jesus wants to give you freedom. He wants to give you freedom from jumping through hoops and from following the law. He wants to give you freedom in Jesus Christ. He wants to free you from those burdens. We're talking about that in Galatians. On Sunday, uh, Wednesday nights, we talk about that all the time, that there's freedom in Christ Jesus. And God wants to give you that freedom. He wants to release you from those burdens and those sins that you're carrying around. But you have to come to Him. You have to accept it. You have to come just as you are. Because what He cares about is your heart. He wants a heart that's humble. He wants a heart that's contrite. He wants a spirit that realizes their sinfulness. I just kind of dress normal today because this is who I am. If you see me on the street, this is how I'm dressed. This is what I do. This is how I talk, this is how I live. And sometimes we think we need to change everything about who we are. But God does the changing. So it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. And it doesn't matter that you're a sinner. Because Jesus Christ died for sinners. He died for you. He gave His life on a cross so that you could be forgiven. Not so that you could keep on living in sin, but so you could experience the freedom. I want you to experience that freedom in Christ today if you hadn't. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want you to experience that freedom today. I want you to experience that joy of when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you give your sins to Jesus Christ and you come to Him just how you are and you just confess because He already knows. You just say, look God, here it is. I'm spelling it out for you. I'm a sinner. I do this. I do this. I got a bad heart. I got a bad attitude. I shouldn't be this way. And I'm giving it to you, Lord. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to come into my life. Boy, it gives you a sense of joy. I'm telling you, if you never experienced it, God can do that. Maybe some of you are Christians. And you've let sin kind of squash that joy. Sin has taken the joy of your salvation. And you're just struggling. You need to do the same thing. You need to repent. You need to come before God and say, Look God, here's, here's what's going on. Here's where I've messed up. Here's where I've done wrong. Here's where I've sinned. But God, I want to give you this. I want to give you these things. And I want to put you first in my life. Maybe there are some of you in this room today that need to come before the cross and give some things to the Lord. 
And in just a moment, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to do that. The Holy Spirit leads you to. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning and I thank you. I thank you for your good word today. And help us to hide these words away in our heart, dear Lord. That we would recall them in a time that we need them. God, that we don't forget what Jesus did on the cross. So that it won't lose its effect in our life, dear Lord. It should have an effect when we sing about the cross. When we think about the cross. God, it should affect us. It should call to our mind what Jesus did for us. So help us to, to glory in that. To seek Him today, God. Maybe there are some things in our hearts and our lives that shouldn't be there. Help us not to be hypocrites, dear Lord, but help us to see those areas, to repent of those sins, and to seek You. God, I pray that you would touch each heart in here. That your Holy Spirit has already started doing the work as they heard your word read today. That maybe you've revealed some things and it's just eating at them, God. And they just know they need to get it off. That right now they'd give it to you. God, that as we prepare for this revival that we'd be ready. That we would come to you as we are in our sinfulness. And that we would seek Jesus Christ so that we could be forgiven so that we would seek Jesus Christ, so that we can be transformed. God, so that we don't have to live in our sin, that we don't have to live in our burden, that we don't have to live in our worry, dear Lord, but that we can give those things to you. So I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody keep your seat. I want, I want to give you guys a chance to respond today, but in a little different way. And you, you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do if God leads you to do so, but, but what we have is a cross. And that's to help us to remember what Jesus did. And what I've got up here is I've got some, some pencils and I've got some pieces of paper. There are two pews if you want to come grab one, if you want to sit here. And maybe there are some things that you want to confess to the Lord. Maybe there are some sins that you just want to write out and, and say, look, God, this is what I'm dealing with. And that's kind of tough to do because your sins kind of come to you in a whole other light when you write them out. They kind of become a little more real to you. So maybe there's a burden you have. Maybe there's a prayer request you have. Maybe there's a sin that you're struggling with. If God leads you to, if you want to, I want you to come down as uh, the music is going to play in a second. Grab a pencil. Grab one of these. Write whatever you want to give to the Lord. And when you get done, I want you to come up here and you can just stick it in the cross. You can stick it anywhere in there and give it to the Lord. Nobody's going to know what you write. No, these things are never going to be written. This is between you and the Lord. But sometimes it's helpful for us to, to be able to Go to the Lord to be able to, to physically do something. You don't have to. You can pray right there where you are. God puts it on your heart. You don't have to fill out a piece of paper. You don't have to put it on the cross. But maybe God is leading you to do that and there are some things you just want to get off. Then I want to encourage you to do that. So Big Boy is going to hit the music for us. And as it plays, we're going to give you guys a couple minutes to respond if God has spoken to your heart this morning.